the Blaze Sports Youth Lead podcast channel. Youth Lead is an initiative that helps athletes with physical disabilities succeed on and off the field of play through leadership, employment readiness, self-advocacy, and development. Hey, it's Courtney Ding and my co-host Amber Wiggins. Hey guys! And we're back with another collaboration with Blaze Sports Youth Lead to talk to you guys about something of extreme importance. In this episode, we're going to discuss self-advocacy for youth with disabilities. Self-advocacy is one of the most important, once again, one of the most important skills that a young person in general can have, but especially a young person with a disability can have. Mm -hmm. You may be asking yourself, well, if it's so important, what is it? So I like to think of it as a process of planning, information seeking, and being assertive in order to get your needs met. Wright's Law describes it as learning how to speak up for yourself, making your own decisions about your own life, learning how to get information so that you can understand things that are of interest to you, finding out who will support you in your journey, which is really important, knowing your rights and responsibilities, problem solving, listening and learning, reaching out to others when you need help and friendship, and just learning about self-determination. And remember, there's a difference between being assertive and being aggressive. You want to be able to speak up for yourself, but you want to make sure you're doing so in a respectful manner. Um, For example, you know, we've worked with clients that needed accommodations for years now, and we had a client working with Amazon who was needing um, an accommodation set in place for her with having an extra break on her shift. Um, we were able to get that in place, but then the client took it a step further and started asking to be accommodated for different shifts that she preferred over another one. It wasn't necessarily based off of need. It was just kind of what she wanted for certain weeks. Um, and that would be considered an abuse of power. Excuse me. So that would not be appropriate. You always, always, always have the right to ask for what you need, but you don't want to turn them off to helping you by going that extra mile and asking for things that you just want um, that have nothing to do with your disability. Now, you may be asking yourself, okay, you're telling us what self-advocacy is, but why is it still so important? Well, teens with self-advocacy skills may be able to have, or they actually do have, a more positive identity development, higher self-esteem, greater social connections, more leadership qualities, and enhanced planning and problem-solving skills. Self-advocacy can help you do a host of different things. Some of these things can include, but are not limited to, describing your condition or disability, being able to explain specific needs to others, Explaining how family customs and beliefs affect your healthcare decisions, and that's really important. Mm-hmm. Telling your doctors when you when you disagree, and can't follow a health plan or want another opinion because you do have that right. Being able to advocate for all follow up health information um, reports to be made understandable to you. A lot of times we get paperwork from doctors' offices with a lot of medical jargon with words we don't understand. You want to be so we don't read it. So you want to be able to have a document that's plainly laid out in words that you understand so that you can be able to read it and comprehend. You want to um, identify specific health goals 
for your individualized education program, which is your um, IEP in school, your transition plan. You want to be able to understand and explain how your disability will affect activities you want to pursue after high school. You want to be able to request accommodations needed in post-secondary education and employment. You want to be able to discuss workplace accommodations with your doctor to ensure health needs are addressed, which is medication, food, stress breaks, or various other things. And you want to be able to identify organizations that provide information and training to help build advocacy skills like us with EFWorks and BlazeWorks. Nice. Now, <clears throat> there are also some other tips for helping you learn to self-advocate. So the top six that we found, number one is be able to explain your issues to others then you want to get out there like we said try different worker volunteer experiences join different teams like on blaze sports mm -hmm. make sure that you know your rights and that's a big reason that we are doing this podcast today to help you learn a little bit about all of this information and give you the resources you may need you want to get involved in the decision making that has to do with your learning or your work um, you can practice how you can talk about your issues, whether that be with your parents, your siblings, your friends. Um, and then knowing that it's okay to get or ask for help when you're thinking about your future. Um, it's pretty impossible to figure all of this out completely on your own. Mm -hmm. um, but there are resources out there and, and we want to make sure that we're, we're providing those to you. So, Amber, what about navigating through the different environments like home, school, the extracurricular, outside activities, and even work? I think that you kind of approach things differently depending on the environment. So, if you're wanting to advocate for yourself at home, I feel like that takes a different tone. You can go directly to your parents, directly to your caregivers, and I feel like there's more space for you to express your feelings. Um, with what you're asking. Whereas if you were in a school or work environment, a lot of times it requires following a certain protocol, um, whether you are reporting your issues or complaints to your homeroom teacher or your direct supervisor or your hiring manager. And then they in turn would direct you to, you know, human resources department that we talked about, HR, or they may send you to the principal or a guidance counselor. Um, it's really just about knowing your audience. If, if you are advocating for yourself in a professional environment, it's going to require a little bit more etiquette than it necessarily would if you were gonna be advocating for yourself in the home. Now you mentioned knowing your rights and responsibilities a few times since we started the podcast. Can you kind of flush that out a little bit for us? Yeah. So we'll get into some of the rights and everything here in a minute but i would say that your key responsibility is that it is your responsibility to be aware of your rights um you know why is this important uh businesses yes they're required to uphold certain laws surrounding disabilities and accommodations but unless you're aware of these laws and your rights that they're supposed to be protecting you can't adequately stand up for yourself when they're not being followed. Um, so it's really important that you gather as much information as you can so that you are ensuring that you're treated appropriately and fairly on the job or in school, wherever you may be. 
Now, one of the main places that you want to go to and everyone should be aware, aware of is the ADA, mm -hmm. which is the Americans with Disabilities Act. And basically, um, understanding.org breaks this down tremendously. And the ADA is basically a federal civil rights law, and it protects people from disability discriminations by the government, <clears throat> excuse me, in schools, by employers, and anyone who offers goods and services to the public. Nice. So that can be Target, Costco, all these, Dollar Tree, anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, the ADA covers people of all ages who have a physical or mental disability that substantially limits a major life activity. So that can be your basic ADLs, which is like cooking for yourself, being able to, you know, dress yourself, things like that, getting in and out of buildings. You might need a wheelchair um, ramp. You might need to cut off space to get on the sidewalk, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, people with disabilities have the right to reasonable accommodations. Once again, reasonable accommodations mm -hmm. so that you have equal access to different areas of life. Accommodations can be anything from a wheelchair ramp, like I stated earlier, to written text and being able um, being available in an audio format, um, but an accommodation isn't required if it causes undue burden or hardship to the school, the program, or business that's offering it. It has to be reasonable. And this is a fine line. Um, Georgia is an at-will state, mm -hmm. meaning that they can fire or let go individuals at will. So we need to make sure that the accommodations are reasonable because they will look at whether or not them providing such accommodations would outweigh the benefit of having you as an employee. Um, so it's not to say that every single accommodation is always going to be accepted, but it is still worth advocating for. The National Collaborative on Workforce and, Workforce and Disability stated that youth with disabilities moving from school to community participation move from a system where they are entitled to services to one where services and supports are only available to those who establish eligibility. Um, one byproduct of this shift is the um, differing definitions of disability held by youth in various adult systems. It's important for families and advocates um, to be aware that in a world of adult services and protections for people with disabilities, the burden is placed on the individual to disclose and if necessary, provide documentation of that disability. So what does that mean? So basically, in school, from elementary to high school to the day right before you, know, you graduate, you are allowed certain services based off of certain restrictions and acts under federal and state laws. Schools have to provide certain things for you, whether you disclose or not because, you know, of your parents and things that they automatically see they might suggest to your parents. You just have services offered to you. Mm -hmm. okay. Now, once you cross that threshold and you transition into that adult life, from college, from work to wherever, you have to, like we said, advocate for yourself. You have to be assertive. If you do not, you will not get these services provided to you. And when they mentioned that the definitions of disability changes for youth in adult systems, that is true. The definitions of a lot of different words change from when you're a child to when you're an adult. Okay. 
And so you just have to be mindful of these things. The way you define a disability may not be the same way a disability is technically defined in the bylaws of that company. So you want to be careful of these technical terms. Mm-hmm. Good. And I think that segues us in a good way to exactly what accommodations are and how we go about them. Mm-hmm. So an accommodation describes an alteration of your environment, your curriculum format, or any equipment that allows you as an individual with a disability to gain access to content and or complete your assigned task. So examples of accommodations could be a lot of things. It could be getting additional time to learn new responsibilities, getting an ergonomic chair with extra padding or arm supports for your back, different ergonomic tools, handle buildups or any other tool adaptations, extra brakes to allow for stress management techniques, height adjustable tables and desks, magnifications of computer screens. You could have a personal attendant that's helping you on the job, a reduction of different distractions. Accommodations come in all shapes and sizes. It's mm-hmm. really tailored to what you need to get the job done successfully. So how do we go about requesting or even getting these accommodations? That's a good question. So upon hiring, like we said in our other series, you want to notify human resources of any needed accommodations then and disclose about your disability. Same thing if you're joining a new school or a new team, you would be notifying the principal, the nurse or the guidance counselor, letting someone know and kind of just sitting down as a team and figuring out what you will need to be successful in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. There's outside liaisons, uh, Courtney, you know, myself, Blaze Sports. Um, All of us have made careers out of helping to advocate alongside you. So it's important that you're aware of the resources out there that can help you. And then much like your toolbox that we talked about in the job search, it's important that you have a similar toolbox readily available to you that will have any of your medical records, any of your physician's suggestions for accommodations, letters of recommendations, all of that in one place so that you're able to provide that when you're asking for the accommodations. Can I get denied for accommodations? Yes. So that's what we just previously mentioned a second ago. It has to be a reasonable and just accommodation. Um, so if they find, if they've you know looked at the benefits, the pros, the cons, and they've found that it would be too expensive or too out of bounds for them to supply this accommodation and feel that either you're able to do the job or they'll have to let you go, that is them denying your request. Depending on the level of the denial, you can go higher up. So what does that mean? If you've gone to, say you're working at Walmart and you go to your shift manager and say, hey, I need an extra break on my shift. Um, You know, we work with uh, individuals that have seizures. So I need an extra break on my shift. If I have a seizure at work, it just give me an extra 10 to 15 minutes to get myself, you know, put back together, collected. I'll be right back to work. If they say no, you take it up to the store manager. You take it up to HR. You take it up to district level. So yes, you can go higher. And don't be afraid to ask for help. 
that would be the time if you're if someone has said no that is the time to ask for outside help um and again if it was found unreasonable or unjust that job may not be your best fit it does happen sometimes things change if it is a matter that they are simply unwilling to accommodate you then you have the right to file a complaint with the department of justice and they will take that up and say that it's either a wrongful termination or that they will have to put accommodations in place for you um, but that's kind of a last resort a lot of times um, businesses want to avoid such legal problems that they will try and work it out with you before it gets to that now moving along there are a couple things we want to just gloss over we're not going to go into too much detail but we feel like these laws and acts are some things that you guys should just be aware of mm -hmm. um the first one we want to talk about really briefly is just the individuals with disabilities education improvement act the 2004 also it's referred to um, as IDEA. And basically, IDEA requires that by the age of 16, the IEP team, which we talked about earlier, the individual um, education planning team that you have at your high school or middle school level, they must determine what instruction and educational experiences will help you prepare for transition from school to adult life, whether that be going to work, going to a trade school, going into the services, or going into um, college. IDEA requires that parents and students be involved in all aspects of the transition planning and decision making process. You never want to not know what's going on when somebody is planning the rest of your life. It's your life. If you don't want to do something, if you don't agree with it, advocate for yourself. Yes. Speak up. It's not being aggressive, it's being assertive. You know your rights. No one knows what you want to do and what you're capable of doing but you. Agreed. So speak up. Agreed. And when it comes to disclosing your disability, we just wanted to bring up HIPAA. It is the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act created in 1996. And it was meant to protect individuals' medical records and your other personal health information. It gives you guys more control over who has access and how they can use and release your health records. And this is important because like we've said in the other podcast series, you are not required to disclose anything about your disability if you don't want to. However, when you are seeking accommodations, you will be required to disclose the disability in order to receive them. That does not mean that your employer has an all access pass to everything in your medical history. It is only what is relevant to the disability you are trying to accommodate. Mm -hmm. So we will have, again, links to these resources so that you can look into them a little bit more, but HIPAA will be very important for you. Um, another one is work permit programs. So we touched on that as well a little bit. And the regulations vary from state to state, but in Georgia, work permits are required if you're under 16 years old. And mm. you can get these from your school. They have school issuing officers or the county school superintendent's office. Now, it's important to know that if you um, are a homeschooled minor, if you're a minor that's not attending school, or if you're a minor that's from out of state, that you are like currently in Georgia, that you must have your employment certificate issued by one of the above sources mentioned by Amber. Um, these minors 
you know, you guys should take your birth certificates to that issuing officer. And to work in Georgia, the employment certificate must be issued once again by a Georgia issuing officer. You can't bring a work permit from out of state and say, hey, I'm just only in Georgia for the summer. And so I, I want to work. It doesn't work like that. If you're under the age of 16, like we said, and that changed back in 2015. Nice. So we've covered a lot in this, you know, podcast series and then in this last episode. But when it comes to advocating to yourself or for yourself, excuse me, how do you start the conversation? You you want to build your confidence. You want to have that that sturdy ground where, you know, you're not feeling as nervous. You're always going to feel nervous, but you're not feeling as nervous and as anxious. And, you know, you have all your ducks in a row. Everything's lined up. All your eyes, all your T's crossed and all your eyes dotted. You want to make sure you do your research. If you aren't sure, just ask. Like we said earlier, it's okay. You might get a no, but that doesn't mean that's the end all be all. Reach out to your outside resources. It can be a friend, a family member, a school counselor. It can be a doctor. It can be a nurse. It can be a friend of a friend. It can be a coach at Blade Sports, anyone. Um, You can ask from, like we said, ask for help from someone like Amber and I, like we said, the Blade Sports. There are multiple resources out there for you to get what you need. Please use everything at your disposal. One thing my mom always told me was closed mouths don't get fed. Amen. If I'm riding in the car and my stomach is growling because I didn't eat my school lunch today and I forgot to take my sack lunch, she might ask me, hey, are you hungry? I know I'm hungry, but I don't want to tell her I didn't eat. And she's offering, but because I didn't open my mouth, I'm sitting back there, stomach turning knots and twists. You know, closed mouths don't get fed. So in order for you to get the help and accommodations that you need, you have to be able to speak up for yourself. Once again, it's not being aggressive. It's being assertive. Yes. Doing so in a respectful way is never wrong. Exactly. So just to touch back a quick recap, we did cover a lot of material. And again, we will have resources for you in the link. We went over what exactly self-advocacy is and remembering that you always want to do so in a respectful way, um, that it takes practice, but it is important. Um, It's important to be able to describe your condition or disability and be able to explain what you need so that you're able to be fulfilled in your work, in your school, in your extracurricular activities. Um, We provided some tips on learning how to self-advocate you know, getting out there, trying new experiences, learning about your rights, doing the research, being involved in the decision-making. I know sometimes, I know when I was younger, when mom, dad, and the doctors all got together, I kind of tuned out, headphones in, let them figure it out. Now you're at a time where you want to be listening. You want to be participating in those conversations. You want to look at how it's different Um, when you're advocating for yourself in different environments, whether you're doing so at home or if you're doing it at school or at work, those things can look different. Knowing your different rights and responsibilities, some of the different acts we covered, the ADA, the IDEA Act, HIPAA, um, and then, you know, just wrapping up again, how to start the conversation. And I think it all really begins with you just having the confidence and knowing that you are completely capable and that there are people out there who want to help. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so i think that finishes us up yep this concludes this podcast please join us on june 30th at 6 p.m for our webinar on successful transition and finding the right path for you